Oh, yes. The campaign undertaker has visited officially John Hickenlooper is out but the undertaker has shown that he is a man of mercy for although he has taken one soul out of the 2020 race for the presidency he has given you yes you the PX3 listenership, an opportunity to take a commemorative moment home. So here's how it's going to go. I have in my possession none other than a signed John Hickenlooper 2020 campaign sign. If you like the insanity of this show then I can think of nothing else that would be as funny to send you as a signed John Hickenlooper campaign sign. So what I want you to do is this. Whether you're a Patreon or not, right? Go ahead on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com On the post for this episode called Trump on Guns, you are going to comment gong. All right? You're probably going to need a Patreon account, but they're free to set up. Just write gong in the comments. I'm going to select the uh, person that uh, at random, and I'm going to send you the signed by John Hickenlooper, and I guess I'll sign it too if you want, campaign sign all right so that's the deal so not only can you go to takepoliticsseriously.com to to become a part of the three dollar club get the bonus content on mondays and on fridays you can now get the free john hickenlooper signed campaign sign thank you campaign undertaker It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young, here, joining you yet again for another episode of Politics, Politics, Politics. Oh, we got a bunch to talk about. Donald Trump, gun control, qualifiers for the Houston debate coming up. We are up against the deadline for people to qualify. One person just squeezed in. Another person might be on the way. We got a few more folks on the bubble. We're going to talk about Greenland. We're going to talk about Israel. We're going to talk about Beto. We're going to talk about Warren. We're going to talk about Native Americans. Of course, the pole dance. Of course, but your emails. But we begin with this. Number one, let me be clear. that We are in a dead period for news. Nobody wants to tell you this. Nobody wants to tell you, please just go about your day. 
you could probably turn off the internet for a while. You know, just leave your alerts on. We'll only ping you if it's really important. In fact, if you do have your whatever news organization, CNN, MSNBC, whatever, ABC, whatever, the, 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 the news apps that ping you with information. Do me a favor. Just go back and look at what the alerts have been over the last three weeks. Because historically, there are a few really dead weeks during the calendar. You know, big holiday weeks tend to be light on news. So Thanksgiving weekend, Christmas, stuff like that. But the real dead times are during the summer. Over the Independence Day holiday and now around Labor Day. Because if you're going to stagger your, your, your time or maximize your vacation days, what you want to do, if you're going to take a two-week vacation, then you do it where it ends on Labor Day where you're getting stuff off anyway. And that unofficially kind of begins at least the beginning of like the news season. You're even seeing it now where there's all this little bits of news that are trickling out about movies and television shows, stuff that people want you to watch in the fall. This is the same thing in politics, not because politics is Hollywood, but because everybody needs vacation. So you just don't see a lot that's happening, which is why a lot of the news that we are dealing with right now is speculative. Why did this Trump Greenland thing even become a thing? Because... It was an interesting enough story that wound up finding a lot of oxygen because if there was actual stuff to talk about, we wouldn't have indulged the idea that Donald Trump has looked into the feasibility of the United States of America buying Greenland. Now, there was obviously fallout to that once the story became public, but that was the beginning of it. I mean, honestly, how much do we really care about Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib going to Israel? Probably not as much as we care right now because we have nothing else to care about. But that doesn't mean that there's not important things happening. <laughs> They're just not happening right now. There are things that are close to happening, and that's what we're going to spend our first segment talking about. Guns. Specifically, gun control. Obviously, we had these horrifying shootings over the last month. Gilroy, California. Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas. The Dayton and El Paso, Texas ones happened within 24 hours. The Gilroy one happened seven days before. Whenever we have a rash of shootings, we have an outbreak of people talking about how we can knock it off with the shootings already. Now, there is a 90% consensus Amongst voters, which if you're at 90%, that means that Republicans, Democrats, rural city, this is far and wide, 90% of America believes that there should be expanded background checks. And this is something that gets me very, very frustrated. Before we get into the nitty gritty of exactly what's happening right now, I get a little frustrated by the fact that this could be a win for everybody. It could be a win for the NRA. It could be a win for gun control advocates. It could be a win for the president, for the Congress, for everyone. 
can make people feel better about the government that they work with, that it is indeed responsive if there was something done. But nothing ever really gets done because nobody really wants the other side to win. Nobody wants to be the one to say, especially going into an election year, that this was a good idea. The NRA doesn't want to erode what it sees as a hard line in the sand position. And so we get what my friend Andrew Heaton, which, by the way, I should be on his podcast coming up in the next few days, said is a low-hanging fruit protected by dragons. That was apparently a phrase he heard when he worked in Congress. That there are certain things that should be very easy to do, and yet they are very, very, very hard to do because of a few entrenched interests. So let's talk about where we are right now. Those shootings happened during a congressional recess. Everybody is off in their own home districts talking to their constituents and taking some time off. It's a six-week recess that's going to wrap itself up in the next few weeks. After those shootings in Ohio and Texas, Donald Trump signaled that he was open to doing expanded background checks, meaningful Background checks. He, he very specifically said, meaningful background checks. Don't take my word for it. Here's Shepard Smith huffing his way through all the sound bites. Remember, calls escalated after the domestic terror attack in El Paso and the mass murder that followed in Dayton. The president said at the time, we need strong background checks. Now, something new. First, listen to him yesterday. People don't realize we have very strong background checks right now. You go in to buy a gun, you have to sign up. There are a lot of background checks that have been approved over the years. Uh, so I'll have to see what it is. But Congress is meeting bipartisan. A lot of people want to see something happen. But just remember this big mental problem. And we do have a lot of background checks right now. That's new. We already have strong background checks. So he was right. We need them. But now we already have them. That is a new wrinkle in the history of no change. Listen to what he said days after the shootings in El Paso and Dayton. We have tremendous support for really common sense, sensible, important background checks. There's been no president that feels more strongly about the Second Amendment than I do. However, we need meaningful background checks so that sick people don't get guns. So after first saying we need strong background checks, now the president says we already have them. New to the pattern. I know this is an audio medium, but I do want to point out that Shepard Smith's die job right now is a particularly stunning chestnut. But he's right. Look at that. Mixed signals by the Trumpster. He says, at first, we are going to have a meaningful move toward background checks. Now says, well, let's also point out that we have a lot of background checks, and this is a lot about mental health as well. So, what happened in between? Well, a call from the NRA, and we'll get to them in a second, but let's look at the landscape. We have the congressional Democrats. Congressional Democrats obviously have run on and pillar the president for lack, and really any Republican, for lack of gun control, specifically after there's some kind of massive shooting. 
and you would think that getting something done would be good. But as I mentioned up top, they would all rather do a back handspring into an oncoming metro train than give Donald Trump a win, than give Mitch McConnell a win. There's a lot invested, specifically as we come up to 2020, as both of them being the worst possible people. Giving them any kind of bipartisan victory is something that they would not like to see. Then you have the Trump administration. Obviously, Donald Trump is a unique animal, but if you look at the facts, he owes less to the NRA in terms of a previous career or hopes to continue any kind of tree of disciples as we go forward than any other Republican president in history. He also did sign the bump stock legislation, which in the NRA's world is something that they don't normally do. Yet Trump is facing re-election. And he doesn't want to do anything that's going to alienate his MAGA hardcores or CAG hardcores. Doesn't have the same roll off the tongue. He debuted the new hat at a New Hampshire rally last week. Keep America great. By the way, this is my new favorite thing. He obviously got talked into this Keep America Great thing because he is, uh, uh, whenever he holds up the hat, you can see that he just doesn't like it. It's my new favorite body language thing. You know that he just doesn't like it. He's like, he is a branding guy. He's like, why did you screw with the branding? We had great branding. Why'd you ruin the branding? Anyway, like I mentioned, background checks are very popular, 90% popular. And a move like that, if you could do it in the right way, and you would need the NRAs, okay to not light him on fire for it, it could shore up a, a potentially troublesome area for him, a demographic that he does want to have in his pocket or at least be better than he is right now by the time that 2020 comes around, and that's suburbanites. Suburbanites in major cities. Sometimes they go for the Republicans, sometimes they go for the Democrat. They went really hard for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and you might think that they would go just as hard, if not harder, for the Democrat in 2020, specifically if it's somebody like Joe Biden and the suburbs that we're talking about are in Pennsylvania and Ohio. But there's something, and this is a gut feeling, and I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again right now, that I just have this vision in my head that what Donald Trump sees in this is an ability to say something I know would just get him too messant. That he reacted more on gun control than Obama did. If he can, in any way, hang Sandy Hook around Obama's neck and make him look like an ineffectual oaf and make Trump look like the guy who did something. Oh, man, is that on brand. And you want to get cheers for enacting any kind of gun control at a Trump rally? Ooh, that might be the way to do it. Now, let's talk about the NRA. Because right now, boy, is it a poop show. 
Wayne LaPierre, the CEO, is embroiled in crisis. Uh, he's had a bunch of board members resign. Uh, he apparently looted the company for uh, millions and millions of dollars. He survived a leadership coup recently. They're down, but they're not out. And a lot of people have, I think smartly and rightly, attributed Trump's apparent verbal U-turn on the background checks to LaPierre spending some time with Trump at uh, Bedminster Golf Club over the last week in New Jersey. So what's going to happen? Well, first things first, I, I've been around the block with this guy a little bit too much recently to take anything that comes out of his mouth as actual prepared policy. Right. I don't think that Trump coming out on Friday and saying we're going to get background checks and then on Monday coming out and saying, well, you know, we already have background checks. I don't think that that's him saying, well, over the weekend, I've thought about this. Somebody was quoted that I read uh, today as saying, you know, Trump just likes to make the last person he talked to happy. So do I think that he went out there and talked about current background checks and mental health? As a gift to LaPierre and the NRA? Yes. Do I think that we're going to get red flag laws at the very least? Which is part of the bipartisan discussion that's ongoing right now? I kind of do. My gut feeling is that Trump's apparent flip-flopping on the matter is more about his unhappiness with how the story was being covered than a change of heart or trying to run out the clock. But then again, I also thought that he wasn't serious when he said he wanted to try and buy Greenland. So, ooh, what do I know? Politics! I want to thank everybody, because we are almost there. The thing that I've been talking about for the last few weeks is almost upon us, and that is modernity for the free political newsletter. I started this newsletter a few months ago, no help, no list to build on, no gigantic corporation to feed me uh, other traffic or whatever. No CNN, Anderson Cooper splash page of Anderson Cooper weirdly like looking out of a boat that sells their newsletter. No Chrysaliza, no Axios, none of this. Not even Mark Halperin's weird newsletter that he's putting out as he tries to make a comeback. I had nothing, absolutely jack, except for you. You listening right now. You guys signed up for it, and we are on the precipice of 2,000. 2,000 people that every single day wake up with my free political newsletter five days a week, five stories a day, mostly gifts, some hot takes. I want to really, really, really thank you guys because you are now sending it out to your friends. You are sending it out to your family. They are signing up for it. We are getting out of our bubble. We had a big, big, big subscriber jump over the week because we were, hell, last time I told you uh, 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 the, the count, we were just about to get to, to Nixon. We were at like 1967. And we're in like the late 90s. Now we're into the Clinton administration at this point. We're coming up on, on the year 2000. We're coming up on hanging chads. So please, do me a favor if you haven't already. Head to freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Sign up for the free political newsletter. And 
if you like it, and if you think that it's a good, irreverent way to keep up on politics, send it to a friend, send it to a family member. This is working, and it is all because of you guys. Thank you. Politics! It's debate watch. Debate watch. Who's gonna be debating in Houston? We will find out right now. There are nine, nine folks qualified before I give you the following news that Julian Castro, former housing secretary during the Obama administration and Beto O'Rourke nemesis has qualified. He got his fourth qualifying poll. He had also passed the individual donor threshold. That means he's in. That brings us to 10, 10 people that are now qualified for the Houston debate. This matters because if there are more than 10, that means that by the DNC's rules, they have to split the debate into two nights again. Okay, what? Who cares? They did that the last few times. Justin, shut your hole. No, I won't shut my hole for this reason. Houston is scheduled for Thursday being night one and Friday being night two. In case you are unaware, Friday is a much less viewed television night than Thursday is. You would effectively be saying to one half of the candidates, here is a Rolls Royce, and to the other set of candidates, here is a haunted Honda Civic. So th- whoever gets on Friday will be furious. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I think ABC News is running this one. They are going to make sure that every campaign has a representative in the room. They might film it from multiple angles to make sure that everybody knows that the way that this is split up has been totally randomized. In fact, I wonder if the DNC would think about just putting 11 people on Thursday. I think all the campaigns would probably prefer 11 people on stage, even if that's a total train wreck, than having the sh- a 50-50 shot at being on a Thursday or a Friday instead of a Thursday. But even if that's the case, Right, Even if, uh, because Tom Steyer looks like he would probably be the next one to qualify. He's got three qualifying polls. He's passed the individual donor threshold. He wants you to know that Donald Trump is a fraud and a failure between every commercial break of you trying to watch what we do in the shadows on Hulu. Not that I have personal experience. We get it. He's a fraud and a failure. If you don't qualify, Steyer, you're a fraud and a failure. I'm just trying to watch these vampires lay up off me. Here are the other bubble candidates. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard got another qualifying poll. So now she's at two. She needs two more within a week. Possible? Unlikely. Meanwhile, both Marianne Williamson and Jay Inslee reached the qualifying donor threshold of 130,000 individual donors, but they got zero qualifying polls. So maybe as this becomes more of a news story or they do something, 
they will be able to qualify, but it looks like we might be coming to the end of dark psychic energy for Marianne Williamson and Jay Inslee's Captain Planet routine. Hey, by the way, also, uh, uh, just to touch back on gun control for a second, I did an interview with Stella Rouse. She's amazing, and we did a whole uh, 45 minutes on millennials and how much millennial voters will affect the 2020 election. They're going to vote in the highest numbers that they ever have in 2020. They have very specific and uh, pointed differences than both Gen X and baby boomer voters. But they might not be so different on one issue. And I wanted to play that clip for you right now. The the one that I, I don't want to ignore and that we haven't talked about is, is um, common sense gun control. Uh, I think there have been um, surveys and what we show in our book is that actually millennials are not that much different from older non-millennials in terms of their attitudes about gun control. Uh, where we see differences is uh, uh, within millennials, right? So African-American and Latino millennials are much more in favor of gun control than our white millennials. Um, the interesting thing will be to see if that tide changes by 2020. We've seen some survey results recently that have shown millennials shifting uh, on attitudes toward gun control, given all the mass shootings that we have had. Uh, so we'll see how that issue plays out. Obviously, it's a much bigger issue for Generation Z because they are the ones that have really experienced, they really are the lockdown generation. Even though millennials went uh, suffered through Columbine and, and some school shootings, it has not been at the level that Generation Z has experienced that. So I feel like that generation is really the one that might take the bull by the horns and, and really address the issue of, of gun control, as we saw with the Parkland students. But millennials will play a large role in that. As I said before, they're going to be the ones that will be um, uh, representing, be representatives in government, the next generation to do that. And so how that plays out um, in the 2020 may be a signal about moving forward and whether gun control will remain um, an important issue uh, within, you know, within Congress and, and whether the president does something about about that. Again, that is Stella Rouse. She is the professor at the Department of Government and Politics at the University of Maryland. She also wrote a great book about uh, millennials and what their voting patterns are. You can listen to my full interview with her in the PX3 feed right now. I think it's really smart to dedicate an entire political comedy show around the theme of guns. Wrong! Oh, jeez. Well, in that case, it might be time for the... You know, after reading a lot more about it, I'm pretty sure that Donald Trump is indeed going to try and buy Greenland. Wrong! I have no idea what to make about this story, you guys. <laughs> I mean, so apparently, again, this is one of these late July stories where it was president asked some people to look into a thing. Fairly unremarkable. Any president ever is constantly telling people, hey, look into a thing for me. Sometimes it gets out. Sometimes it doesn't. Allegedly, according to Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, Donald Trump was a little surprised that this one got out and was even more surprised when it got headlines. So what did our truffle pig president do? <laughs> Sniffed out a way that he could continue to interject himself into the news stream by making it a lot bigger deal than it was. Up to and including the fact that he told, or uh, canceled, sorry, not canceled, 
postponed an official trip to Denmark because the prime minister of Denmark was dismissive of the idea that the United States could, should, or would buy Greenland. So Donald Trump said, well, I'm not coming to Denmark then, which, let's be honest, it's probably a lot more about the fact that that dude doesn't want to fly to Denmark. As for how feasible it is, look, the United States has bought territory uh, throughout its history. We apparently looked into buying uh, elements of Greenland back during the Cold War, the beginnings of the Cold War, because it was a strategic outpost between us and Russia. Uh, Donald Trump posted a, uh, <laughs> a Photoshop of uh, a gigantic Trump Tower on a, a Greenland coast and said, I promise not to do this. August, man. August. Hey, you want to know what? Jews are very excited to have a bunch of non-Jewish people telling them who to vote for and what to believe. Wrong! Yeah, I can't imagine that that's the case. <laughs> so this was the other big tempest in a teapot that happened uh, over the last week, and that was Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib possibly going to Israel, now not going to Israel, uh, then being banned from Israel, then Israel allowing Tlaib to come in and visit her grandmother, whom she had never met, that is in the Palestinian areas. Tlaib then said that she would not come, she would boycott Israel because Israel, the way that they had handled the official trip, the official trip, by the way, was not the bipartisan one that was going a month earlier, but rather another trip that was sponsored by a group that has, uh, let's just say, so I don't get emails, a borderline anti-Semitic history. The itinerary for their trip listed uh, uh, itinerary for trip to Palestine as we had our conversation on this very podcast a few months ago about how to be critical of Israel without being anti-Semitic. One of the red lines is totally erasing the concept of Israel. <laughs> like denial of the fact that Israel's a place is a bit of an anti-Semitic thing. So now it is escalated. Tlaib has continued to uh, uh, make hay out of this. Bill Maher got involved said that the the BDS, that is the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement for Israel, basically just totally overturning our relationship with Israel, and in fact punishing them, becoming punitive toward them. You know, Bill Maher said that that was stupid. I mean, I don't know. Oh, and then Donald Trump said that any Jews who vote for the Democratic Party are either ignorant or disloyal. Because the Democratic Party very obviously is an anti-Semitic party. Because Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib are the new faces of it. Here's the only thing I know for sure. Is that Donald Trump is very invested in keeping Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib as front and center as possible. If you're going to count up headlines and Omar and Tlaib rate more than... Pelosi and Schumer, in fact, probably rate more than most of the 2020 candidates, then 
at least on that front, Donald Trump is very happy. Hey, Beto O'Rourke's push for a gun buyback is a good idea. Wrong! I went into this a little bit on the PX3 Extra, but I'm going to give you the short, short, short version right now. You can't have it both ways, Beto. You can either be, we're going to flip Texas blue, in which case you're a moderate, or you can be, I am an electrifying leftist candidate, and that's the message I'm going to take to America, and I'll be competitive in Texas. But you can't go on stage in Detroit for the debates and say, I can flip Texas, I can flip Texas, I can flip Texas, and then say we're going to do a gun buyback. Because even in the Austins and Dallases and Houstons of the state, where you did very well, that's not a popular idea. It plays a lot better in cities that aren't in Texas that haven't been exposed to guns. And even then, even if it's like background checks or or other stuff, you can push for that stuff. I don't know why he's not running on the common sense stuff. He'd be such an effective uh, fighter for that. He, he, would, he would be such an effective uh, uh, advocate coming out of El Paso that just had the shooting and say, enough's enough. Let's get the things that we all agree on done. We can then move on to the next level and fight about that. But for right now, anything we agree on, let's move on that immediately. I don't know why. No, he's doing buybacks, which is like very aggressive. Because again, buybacks means one thing to one group and another thing to another group. Buyback for one group means, well, we all can agree that these guns are dangerous, and so therefore we want to pay to take them off the streets. The other group hears, the cops are going to come and take my guns. Because that's the unspoken part of the buyback thing, is if you don't get your gun bought back, then it's now illegal. Hey, Elizabeth Warren's apology to Native Americans is enough. Wrong! Well, it might be enough to the Native American groups. That's where she apologized. She apologized for the last time that she mentioned Native Americans. That, of course, was in her ill-suited video for uh, at the end of her Senate campaign, which was effectively the beginning of her presidential campaign, wherein she found a dude who makes DNA tests to tell her that she is .098 Native American. Not very Native American, by the way. She had to apologize to the Native American communities. Then she came back and apologized to it. Now she put out a policy proposal about it. Guess what? If Elizabeth Warren doesn't have an explanation for powwow chow, then she is just going to get beaten about the head and face by Donald Trump about Pocahontas if she's the nominee. Speaking of the nominee, we got another poll in. In honor of our fallen soldier, John Hickenlooper, let's go ahead and uh, uh, do a Colorado poll. But before we do, we got to make sure that we show love to everybody that, you know, can't get in. So here's to you, de Blasio Bennett. Oh, Bennett. Dude, you're the senator from Colorado. You got 1%? Damn. Ryan Williamson Gabbard, O'Rourke, Booker, 
Oh, Yang, 4%. Almost in the club, but all the same. I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here we go. This is an Emerson poll. It is this week's. Get on the floor if you got that booty. Oh! Stepping up first to the stage with 5% of respondents, he is Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Stepping up second to the stage, we have your senator from California with 13% respondents. It is Kamala Harris. With 20% of respondents, she is your senator from Massachusetts. Let's give a big round of applause for E. In second place, your co-headliner, Big Joe. That would make your headliner for the first time in a long while. Your senator from Vermont. That is Buddha Judge 5, Harris 13, Warren 20, Biden 25, Sanders 26, A1 point. Politics! Let's go ahead and get into but your emails. You can send me an email, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. We begin with Sean. Sean writes, ladies, gentlemen, whatever your pronoun might be, we have a call to arms. We need you. Yes, even you. Think we can't see you? We are part of the Diamond Club. We see all. We all know how the primaries will go. And to be honest, most of our states are already decided. So we need you to do a favor. Write in. Gloria Young for president. 
It's not like she's a worse choice than anyone on that stage. In fact, she's 10 times better than most of them. And the added chance that jury will be Secretary of State will be a glorious poop show. So remember, when you vote, write in Gloria Young for president. Brought to you by the We're Not a Cold Coalition, Jury for Secretary Consortium, and the number seven. I don't know if I agree with it, but I had to read it. <laughs> it was just too funny. If you're not aware, Gloria Young's my mom. She's who I voted for president. If you would like to write in my mom because you are just disgusted by the process or don't have anybody that you would particularly like to vote for, then that's fine. I think Sean's idea is that if enough people do it, then it will start showing up in that statistical, like, like the, the, the statistically relevant stupid answers. So it's like, did you know that more people voted for Mickey Mouse than somebody who was actually trying to run for president? Something like that. So he's just trying to make it like the nonsense thing. If, if at some point Gloria Young can show up as a write-in thing, I mean, it would make me very happy. Like even in a local election, if you just don't know who to vote for, vote for Gloria Young and then let, let, let's go ahead and just let me know that you did. Or let me know that a bunch of you are doing it. We'll, we'll try to check out the data and see if it matches. Ken writes, the only thing that surprises me about the entire Epstein thing is that somebody would give you grief for uh, putting uh, suicide in quotations, which I did when I wrote the first free political newsletter. I think that there's too much conspiracy intolerance. A few months ago, uh, if you were to tell folks that there was a guy who was inexplicably rich and he owned an island where many of the world's rich and powerful would visit and they'd have sex with kids, you might be shunned. But in the same camp as those who question whether or not jet fuel can melt, melt still beams or believe in the Sandy Hook massacre uh, was not a CGI job. I just want to say I'm not here for like the full Epstein was killed conspiracy because I don't really know where it goes. I just know that it seems fishy to me. What else seemed fishy to me was that Epstein's, you know, kind of secretary of state of sorts. She was, uh, people are trying to track her down. She was allegedly living on the East Coast. Then all of a sudden a picture leaks of her at a In-N-Out burger. And it is figured out that that was photoshopped. So it's like there are some hinky things afoot. I don't know if it means he didn't kill himself. I just think it seems fishy. Andy writes, since the debates, I've been wondering when I slipped into an alternate reality where Obama was a conservative. My best guess is that it happened around the same time that people started comparing Trump's policies to Obama's policies and figured out that what you got right down to it, there aren't that many differences. Well, Andy, there are less differences than I think the average person would be led to believe. But I think the... The, the the let's criticize the Obama legacy thing came from the fact that the Democratic Party has shifted fairly left. You know, when you have leading candidates like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, that means that the, the progressive element is insurgent in the Democratic Party. So those folks are going to say, hey, Obama didn't go far enough. Obama was too centrist, which was something that a lot of folks were saying when he was president. So. Uh, I think it's just more that those thoughts have kind of had a moment in the mainstream. It's probably the difference. Jason writes, Wow, Harris has slid a lot in the polls. I'm Yang Gang and have no ill will, but the Harris momentum always felt like a flash in the dark. I feel like Mayor Pete is the candidate outside of Warren, Sanders, and Biden with actual staying power, and now I feel like 
that uh, will truly play out. I like having a female person of color in the race, and I was really hoping she could kneecap Biden and bring everyone level to make the race more interesting. I really wanted her to win the black Southern vote away from him. Here's the problem, Jason, is that both black candidates are underwater with black voters. Black voters like Biden way more than they like Harris and way more than they like Booker. Matt says, does it strike you as strange that everyone refers to Trump buying Greenland? When I first read that, I thought it meant he was going to personally buy it, which seemed like something I wouldn't put past Jeff Bezos to do. That said, I haven't read any archived news articles on the Louisiana Purchase, so I wouldn't know if they refer to it as Thomas Jefferson buying Louisiana. I don't know what, Matt, that struck me as weird too. I want to thank Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad. They are our producers for this show. You can go ahead and join their ranks if you head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and join the $10 level. But you don't have to join any level if you want to get in on the campaign undertaker's gift to you, a signed by John Hickenlooper, uh, John Hickenlooper sign. And uh, spoiler alert, I got yard signs for almost all the major candidates. So as soon as any one of them goes out, I've got it on good authority that the campaign undertaker will be giving out the lawn signs of the dearly departed candidates. But we start with this one. If you want the Hickenlooper one, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and just write gong, G-O-N-G, on this episode's post. All right. You can email theyoungamerican at gmail.com if you want to give us a but your email. Music has been provided by Valesco and Chop Killers. You can follow me at Justin R. Young everywhere. Free political newsletter is at freepoliticalnewsletter.com and you can download archived episodes of this show at bonerwars.com. Until next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying that politics has three names and I saw one show talking about politics. I saw another show talking about politics and I saw one the other day that was talking about politics, but this is the only show, friends, that talks about... Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>